today is Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, and we are continuing recording the oral history of Jack Alexander. I'm Rob Alexander, and I'm up at Stratton, Vermont, and I'm going to turn it over to Dad. Tell us where you are today. Anything uh, changed since the last few days? No. Jack Alexander um, at uh, 108 Studio Road uh, in my office downstairs. Great. Today's session is going to be on your college. We know you went to Lafayette College. Lafayette College, but you started at a different college. Yes. Well, what happened was uh, this is the year 1946. Uh, GIs, as they were called, that were in service uh, now had the GI Bill of Rights, which meant they could go to any school they wanted with the tuition paid, except None of the schools had enough room for all these sudden students. So what they did was uh, they set up uh, a college in Plattsburgh, New York, in a former army base. The ones that <clears throat> were not accepted in college because there wasn't room could go there. And that's where I went. I got there. Yeah, it was an army base. We were uh, in army barracks with uh, double-decker beds, one, one above the other. They served you in an army mess hall. What you did was you picked up a metal tray, pushed it down the line behind the counter, put the food on the metal tray. Except I looked at these metal trays and they were greasy, really greasy. Hadn't really been washed. So I said to a uh, guy behind me, and look, look at these trays. I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to eat on this trip. Don't complain. If you complain, they'll give you grease trap duty, which means you have to go and clean out the grease trap. So sure enough, I push, push my plate in and uh, hand it to the person behind the, uh, behind the counter and say, uh, this is greasy. We can't eat off this, this plate. We need clean plates. So he said, uh, well, just a minute, sir. Sure enough they came through with clean plates. So after then I was to the uh, GIs who were there, I was kind of like a hero. None of them were, you know, they were always afraid to open up their mouth, but they would be, would be given some really bad duty, like climbing into the grease trap and cleaning it out. That was uh, my parent, I guess my parents uh, got a, uh, a notice from Lafayette College that yes, indeed, they did have room, uh, come, come right down. So my father uh, uh, called me uh, on the telephone in, in Plattsburgh and said, uh, I've chartered a, a plane. It's gonna take you, uh, uh, this charter plane will take you uh, Rockaway Airport, which was near Woodmere. So sure enough, I got up there and there was this, chartered plane waiting and I get on board and they take off and land in Rock, Rockaway Airport. And my father was there to meet me in the car. Either that day or the next day, we drove to Lafayette College. I'm just trying to think exactly what happened when we got there. So how, how long were you at that other college for? Like a couple of weeks, a month? No, uh, just, just uh, about a week. Anyway, so now we're at, uh, uh, he, he drives, uh, 
my father drives me to Lafayette College and uh, assigned me a, uh, a, a, a room in, in one of the dorms and uh, with a roommate, with two people in, in, the, in the dorm. I'm not sure if, if right then, but later I brought my uh, motor scooter and I used that to uh, go back and forth of the dorms where we were uh, to, to class. When I, first, when I first was accepted at Lafayette College, uh, there was no room in any of the dormitories. So they, uh, they had rented a house on Paxinos Avenue. I was assigned to the living room of that house, which was on the ground floor. And they converted that house so that uh, the toilets were uh, accessible and they, they were put more than one uh, head in the toilets and so on. So it was, it was livable. Every, every, every morning, take out my scooter, drive uh, two or three blocks to a Lafayette College, park it in a covered place and lock it, go to class. Did you go to Lafayette for four years? Yes. And what was your uh, favorite you know, subject to study? I studied uh, economics. That was my, uh, that was my major. The uh, person that uh, taught that particular uh, subject was also a consultant, different uh, companies in the area. Uh, labor relations. My, my major was uh, economics, yes. And I, I really enjoyed being at, at, at Lafayette. Uh, later on, when they were able to uh, uh, find a, 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 a dormitory room, then I, I moved from uh, Paxinosa Avenue to a dormitory room on campus. It was still a double room. I still had the same roommate. His name was uh, Robert. Kotowski. It was a small room in uh, a Gates Hall. Is there any uh, activities you did? There was one uh, club. Uh, oh, it was called the Veterans Investment Club or Veterans Investment Group, something like that. What they did was uh, uh, they would meet together, select stocks to buy. Supposedly, you would uh, research these stocks and Tell everybody while, while they were, why we should do buy them. That was one of the things that I did on the side, and it was it was run by uh, a, a teacher who had uh, spent most of the war years living in uh, Beirut overseas. After the war ended, he came back here. You know what got you interested in stocks? Did your your father, did he invest in, in stocks at all? I mean, what did he, I know he, you, you talked about it, he had, you know, some real estate. My, uh, was very leery of stocks because he saw what happened during the depression. Stocks went almost to zero and did go to zero or went bankrupt. He really didn't have anything to do with stocks. I felt that, uh, that was where the money was. That would be a, a good thing to do. Other professions, at that time, like engineering and so on, which I was also interested in, were not particularly friendly to hiring Jews. Investment world, uh, there were uh, Jewish firms. One of the ones, Solomon Brothers and Hutzler. I went to work for uh, in the summer 
and also uh, uh, after I graduated Lafayette College. What year did you graduate? I graduated Lafayette College in 1950. And that was an interesting graduation because tradition at the college was that the 50 year reunion took place at graduation. People at that reunion, it, it was a strange situation because here you had people that were like a uh, hundred years different in ages. Well, 50 years different in ages. 50 years different. At that graduation, a, a, a weird thing happened, which I will never forget. That I remember. This I remember very clearly. Harvey Bakula, a person at the college that was in charge of development, which meant raising money, comes up to me. I, I don't have a job or anything. Uh, and he comes up to me and says, uh, Jack, now that we have done all this for you, what are you going to do financially for the college? So I said to him, well, you know, I don't have a job. When I can, I will support the college financially. I thought that was a lot of nerve. And I still remember it. Okay, well, did he think that you... You know, like your parents had a lot of money or something, or he just said that to everybody. I I, I don't know. Well, that's his job as a development officer to ask, right? He can't, he can't, he's like a salesman. He just has to ask, ask, ask. That's, and that's what he did. At graduation, comes up to me and says, now, what are you going to do for the college? Like I could do anything at that point, which I okay, Now, do you look back at those college years as enjoyed them, you're happy, you got a good education at Lafayette? Yes, I, I enjoyed them. But uh, my routine was much different from my roommate, uh, Robert Potofsky. Robert Potofsky, uh, Robert Potofsky's aunt was married to Ed Sullivan. Uh, Robert Potofsky used to go back to New York City. He lived in New York. Go back to New York City every weekend go to these clubs and so on, whatever he did. But he went back to New York City every weekend, whereas uh, I stayed in, in, in college. And what I essentially what I did on weekends, I, I worked for fun, I worked on my uh, motor scooter. One of the problems about, with that motor scooter was that it had no springs. It constantly was breaking spokes. Spokes weren't available. Uh, but I bought uh, regular spokes, uh, bent them and cut them to fit. And uh, so I, I spent uh, you know, time uh, uh, doing that. Of course, I spent time uh, with schoolwork and studying on weekends. But that was completely different to what he did. He left the campus completely. Uh, I, I stayed there uh, every weekend. Was that a common thing? Like you, you said you, your roommate went home and you stayed there. I mean, what did most people do at college at Lafayette at that time? Most people uh, uh, stayed there. Okay, now was Lafayette a, uh, were men and women? No, only men. I assume that there were a lot of GIs there on the GI Bill. Oh yeah. One of the things that happened in this Paxinoka Avenue uh, GIs lived upstairs, so there were rooms upstairs. They uh, lured one of the local girls 
up into their rooms. I can't remember what punishment they had, but they had some kind of punishment or something. I don't know what happened. This was all completely foreign to me. In, in general, the social dynamics at that time. Uh, y yes, uh, that was true, especially in the, uh, in the classrooms. I was always ready to, uh, you know, raise my hand and answer questions and so on. Most of them kind of hung, hung back, weren't actually anxious to uh, talk at all. But I, I was, uh, yeah, I was sort of uh, precocious in the classrooms. And also much younger than most of the people there. Well, would you say half the college was on the GI Bill or? You said much longer than most of the people. So I would say that 70% returning GIs under the GI Bill and older. The others were people uh, directly out of uh, high school. Uh, what happened with uh, applying for colleges, I also applied, I didn't just apply to Lafayette. I applied to uh, several other schools where I was just uh, completely rejected. One was uh, uh, Strathmore, I think it was called. So I, I applied to several colleges, but the only uh, college that I was eventually accepted to was Lafayette College. And how far away was Lafayette from you know, Woodmere? Uh, you know, was, I assume you drove there. The drive was uh, about two hours, I think. Actually get there, were there buses? Did your parents take you back no, and no, forth? No, no. Uh, I, I had a friend, let's see, how, how do I know? But anyway, I, I had a friend who had a car and he drove back and forth and he charged us. It was still uh, much cheaper than, uh, you know, public transportation. And public transportation was very difficult from Lafayette College. And what about friends and anybody you remember from college? Do you, do you keep in contact with anybody from Lafayette? Um, what about reunions do you ever ever go back to lafayette oh sure on uh, the first reunion i i went back to was the uh 53 uh, I, okay it. now when you when you actually graduated in 1950 the development officer uh asked you if you could support the school and you said you would when you get a job so do you support lafayette financially yes every year i send them uh, five now every year I send them uh, five thousand dollars, and it comes out of my uh, RMD. They publish a uh, a booklet telling uh, people, you know, who gave what. So there I am. I see uh, roommate Kotovsky way down on that list. He's still alive. I, I worked for uh, Solomon Brothers for a couple of years and uh, worked in the statistical department. Essentially what, what I was doing was uh, taking um, prospectuses, rewriting them so that the salesman could understand what they were selling. So they were selling stocks then? They, they were selling, no, uh, these were bonds. Th this is one of the problems. Uh, these bond salesmen also you know, called on investment companies uh, so, uh, bought bonds, bought stock, but they were very reluctant to sell stock because they were afraid if the stocks didn't do well, then they might lose the bond business. So that was a, a really hard sell. 
so you graduated from Lafayette in 1950. You worked for Solomon Brothers, and then you went, eventually you went to graduate school. Yes, I went to graduate school at Columbia. Okay, did you go like directly after Lafayette or work for a whole year or how'd that work out? No, I, I went directly after Lafayette. But just going back to uh, my uh, time at, uh, uh, Solomon, at Solomon Brothers, the head person there, Rudy Sputney. Rudy Sputney says to me one day, go out and look at this company and tell me what you think, the, the Xerox. So I go out and look at Xerox. My whole background was uh, not new companies, but old companies that had substantial assets. I told them that uh, I, I really didn't think too much of it. Okay, well, can't win them all. Where'd you go to graduate school? Uh, I went to gra at Columbia. Okay, now but, was that? Uh... Just backing up one minute. Okay. There was a very interesting incident when I was working uh, Solomon Brothers. They asked me to take over some papers, one of the banks to sign, one of their customers, one of the banks to sign. So I go over there, kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, I get to see this person. I complained to him how long you know, I had to wait there. And I really didn't like it. He in turn called Rudy Smutney, who was the head of Solomon Brothers, fire this person. So I was fired. <laughs> but shortly after, Rudy Smutney was fired from Solomon Brothers. The exact opposite was uh, at graduate school at Columbia. I decided that I would like to go to you know graduate school. Uh, it was a good time to go to graduate school because if you were in graduate school, you were exempt from going into, into the army. Uh, I, I had friends didn't go to graduate school and uh, ended up Korean War. Uh, and that was a very brutal thing. But uh, anyway, so I decided I, I would go to graduate school and that would be a good way to avoid going in the army. So I, I applied to Columbia said I was interested in uh, uh, studying with uh, uh, Graham and Dodd, who had written uh, the definitive textbooks, Value Investing. And uh, I was accepted there. Uh, commuted every day. I drove, I drove in. I was living at home and uh, drove in to New York, was able to park somewhere. There was no charge for residents of uh, of students of Columbia. That's where I met uh, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett was a couple of years younger than me. He uh, uh, qu quit college, went to work for, for uh, uh, on Wall Street uh, for one of the uh, uh, bro brokerage houses. Then uh, he saw the, the opportunity of going to graduate school in Columbia where the people who had written the books, Graham and Dodd, were teaching. He applied and was accepted right away. Uh, he was in you know, most of my classes in, in Columbia. Whenever there was a, uh, a question, uh, one of the professors would ask a question. He was the first one to raise his hand and answer the question. Everybody else sort of hung back a little bit. 
he was always the one that uh, uh, spoke out first. Got a degree, uh, Master of Science, not an MBA, Master of Science. MBA, you had to go for two years, but I only went for one year and got this Master of Science degree. Okay, now you mentioned the uh, professors, so you knew them from your days at Lafayette. They were the experts on value investing and had written the textbooks that were used uh, undergraduate and graduate school. So I figured uh, going there, being in their lecture, uh, really going to be a very, very good idea. And then that was actually turned out. And so it was a one-year program. It was a one-year program. How many people are in your classes, your, uh, a normal class? Uh, I would say uh, we had maybe uh, 15 people. Okay. So um, now, now I graduate, and I have to start looking for a job. W what do I do? I uh, put an ad in some place. can't remember where I put it. But anyway, I put an ad in. Uh, I'm looking, you know, looking for a job. I have some good ideas to bring with me. So I, I get a uh, a call. Can't remember the name of the company right now, but I'll think of it. And uh, I go down there for an interview. I'm talking and about uh, this situation, that situation. And I said, I really have some very good situations. Well, what what are they? I said, Well, only if I'm working for you. And I tell you, pretty soon they said, uh, we want you to come to work for us. So we want to know these attractive situations that you were talking about. So I went to work for them. New, they called themselves uh, New, New England Industries. So now were, were they located in New York City? Yeah. Uh, they, were, they were located in uh, New York City. I, I commuted every day there. I, I lived at home, commuted every day. Do you remember what any of those good ideas were that you were promising them? But they weren't such, such great ideas. But the idea was that uh, I, they, they couldn't learn the ideas unless they hired me. But so did any of them pan out? Oh, oh, oh yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So what, what, what kind of company was that? New England Industries was the name of a company founded by not refugees, but uh, people that had left Germany uh, in, in the early, in the middle 1930s, recognizing that this was the time to leave. The person that headed it was a, a, a stock trader, one of the big German banks. That's where he traded stock in and out, you know, day trading. That was his thing. And uh, so he came here, and uh, there were other people uh, similar to him, with but with different backgrounds, that also were able to leave. Uh, one was a lawyer, and uh, uh, one was, uh, and then the, the, there were two of them were lawyers, but they they really had no job, so he, he hired them, paid them, you know, a nominal. A salary. Then he started to do things. He found out that there was a real shortage of steel in this country, construction steel. He bought up in Europe 
lots of steel to get and now you had to get them here so he also bought ships he had uh these lawyers that were working for him do all the paperwork for that these ships came over here then uh unloaded the steel which were then was then sold at uh, you know big big prices so he was he was doing very well and he had front people working for him one was uh, admiral doyle Admiral Doyle was a retired admiral in the, you know, the American Navy. So Admiral Doyle, and he was a member of the uh, New York Yacht Club. So one day he says to me, Jack, how would you like to come down and see original trophies for the America's Cup, which we have at the New York Yacht Club? We go down there. Uh, he, he's a member. He introduces me there, right on a, a on a pedestal, America's Cup, the, ori the, the original America's Cup, which was uh, so. That's where I got to see the the first first and only time I was in the uh, American Yacht Club, and the first and only time I actually seen the original America's Cup trophy. Then I decided that. Uh, I needed help, so I brought in uh, to work for us at uh, New England Industries, uh, Buddy Fox. Buddy Fox had been, uh, uh, I can't remember what he was doing, but he was working uh, somewhere else. So he came on board, got a salary there. So now we get a really good, we really think it's a good idea. And that is uh, very rich in assets, but not making any money. Uh, I'll think of the name in a minute. We come to, uh, so I come to uh, my boss, uh, who, who is the head of the company, and I tell him, we have this really good idea and we want to put a lot of money into it. So he says, uh, well, you know, I don't know if I want to put so much in, you know, into one thing. I, I just always said, you know, th this is really good. So what happened was now, we are uh, buying some of this stock. So I said to Buddy, you know, we don't really need him to buy the stock. We can uh, start our own investment company, do it ourselves. With that, we start this uh, uh, private investment company, but we're still working for the old boss. We're sort of competing with each other to buy this stock. So finally, we say to him that, uh, uh, no, uh, we're going to leave. We're starting our own company because we think we have some good situations. You are not willing to put uh, a lot of the firm's funds into any one situation. And with that, we just said goodbye and left. Now, we needed a place. We needed an office. Buddy. Uh, had worked for this uh, another private investor. So we make a deal with him. We want to come to work for you. We need an office. We don't need any funds, but we need an office. In exchange for the office, in exchange for the office, we will uh, you know, share our investment ideas with you. So that's what we did. His name was uh, uh, Kerngood. Now, where did you meet Buddy when you first brought him in as? I knew Buddy because Buddy was married 
to a fraternity brother, Robert Barish was a fraternity brother of uh, Buddy Fox. And that's how I knew. So one day they say, uh, we have to introduce you to Charlotte. Where are we gonna meet? We're gonna meet under the clock, can't remember what hotel, to some famous hotel where there's a clock where people meet. And that's where I met Charlotte. In, in New York City, somewhere. In, in New York City. Okay, so when you first set up your office with Buddy, where? Yeah, it was actually in the Seagram building. It was a really a very, very nice office in the Seagram building. It had uh, two rooms. One of the rooms was our office. The larger room was his office. And we paid no rent, but we had to share his, our ideas with him. So, you know, there's plenty of stock to buy. So uh, that's what we did. And where, worked, where'd, you, where'd you get your capital for your business? We had no trouble getting capital. So and we move in with Paul Kern. He gives us this office. Oh, so then we, we start our own hedge fund, ask people to contribute. And they did. And they contributed uh, uh, plenty of money. And uh, the situations worked out. The situation with uh, 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 Crow, Crow Collier. Crow Collier sold encyclopedias door to door. And suddenly people stopped buying encyclopedias. They had to figure out a way to sell people. They really didn't know what to do. So we marched in there to their offices, Buddy and I, and said, uh, look, we uh, know you're in a lot of trouble because uh, you're not selling any encyclopedias. But unless you agree, we're going to take over your company because we have enough of, we own enough of your stock to put you out. So they said, uh, instead of doing that, why don't you uh, take over the idea of, uh, instead of delivering encyclopedias uh, door to door, sell them on, uh, get people to buy them online. And that was, this was a completely new concept. But anyway, so essentially we took over uh, the old Kroll Collier. Uh, we were the largest stockholders there and converted that into a business of, instead of selling uh, encyclopedias door to door, to selling, uh, the uh, uh, selling online in, in a way that we actually are doing it now. Yeah, so basically mail order. Mail order, yeah. Right. So how, what would be the market cap of something like a company like that, that you, you basically controlled enough voting stock, so basically about half the stock. Have any idea back then? I can't remember. So but it was well within our ability to do it. Right. So, I mean, did you get money from your father? He didn't no. have any money. He didn't want to invest with you. Where, where did we get the money to originally get enough stock to say to Carl uh, 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 Kyer that uh, we own enough stock that we're going to, uh, you know, put you out? Well, not really them per se, but just capital for your... How we got the capital or uh, just by incorporating, you could generate it without any assets. But it's interesting, your father, 
didn't, you know, quote unquote, no. believe in what you were doing? Because he was no, no, not, no. What, what did you call your company when you were first with Buddy? I can't I really remember it. It was something like uh, Alexander Associates or something. I, I can't really remember. Well, I know it was called Alexander Associates when, you know, I was alive. I just wondered if it was always called that. Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, well, this was really uh, on your, your college year. So we always, we always go a little, you know, extra. And uh, we'll, we'll maybe think about that some more. Okay. Well, well that's I'll good. try to uh, I'll work out uh, looking at past records and so on to refresh my memory and see if I can do more about how we uh, expanded uh, Alexander associates we were never uh, lacking for capital it was uh, uh actually uh, we got plenty of money the more we the more we got the more was available it seems. okay well anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna end this recording i think that's enough for this